My name's Angelo and welcome to We Want Picks. I'm going to break down the entire UFC Vegas 70 fight card, giving you my picks, my predictions, and my bets. But before we talk about UFC Vegas 70, let's talk about UFC Vegas 69. As a collective, We Want Picks, myself and Jacob managed to squeak by and give you 1.1183 net units of profit. And it was dicey because my money line bets did not do well. I was way overly exposed on Ashkabov, way exposed on Jessica Andrade. I definitely hit the Felipe Linz bet. I hit the under on the round Bueno Silva bet. I hit some other bets, but too many units flying on a couple of those money lines. Jacob, on the other hand, was up very solid. This right portion of the screen here, that is every single bet we put on the board for UFC Vegas 69, both the free and the premium. If you're a premium member and you tailed every single bet, mine and Jacob's, you would have been up 0.2794 units. If you also tailed the safety parlay, you would be up 0.8389 units. And let me explain the safety parlay yet again, because a couple of you missed it. A lot of new people here. The way the safety parlay works, it's three different parlays. There's the base, the two-fighter base. You bet that as its own. Then we have the three-leg parlay. You bet that as its own. Then we have the four-leg. You bet that as its own. Last night, the four-leg missed, but the base and the three-leg hit, which netted you 0.8389 units of profit. So it is three independent parlays. It's not just Don't just fast forward to the fourth leg. Then it's not a safety parlay anymore. It's literally a safety parlay because it's supposed to be as close to a short thing as possible. In this sport, nothing is. But if you have tailed the safety parlay, as I've described it as independent parlays, for the last 11 events, you would be up 20.3677 units. The safety parlay is up now for UFC Vegas 70 for premium members. Check that out. If you want to dig into these bets a little deeper, just hit pause and zoom in. And don't forget about the line movement tracker. Premium members have full access to the line movement tracker and so much more for only $10 a month. The line movement tracker will show you everything you need to know as far as the betting line is concerned. You're going to see the opening odds for every single fighter. You're going to see the current odds for every single fighter. You're going to see the probability And what that is a formula just saying, based on these odds, this is the percent chance that it's saying this person will win. And then you're going to see the actual line movement. And this is interactive. You can sort by line movement, see what's happening, see whose line is getting harder, see whose is getting easier, and make sure you get ahead of that movement. Or, I mean, even if you're not ahead of it, make sure you hit the trend in the right direction. Wewantpicks.com at the top, click become a member. It's $10 a month, not an event. And we have given you consistent units event after event after event we want picks.com at the top click become a member and if you want 50 bucks for free i will send you 50 dollars. i pay hundreds of dollars a day thousands of dollars a month to people that just go to we want picks.com slash bets you use our link to sign up with any one of our betting partners you make a deposit and i send you 50 bucks as a thank you it's affiliate marketing they paid me and then i'm going to share that money i'm going to pay you it's very very simple we want picks.com slash bets Let's go ahead and break down this card. It's another interesting card because we have a whole bunch of UFC debuts, like six or something to that effect. There's a lot of UFC debuts on this card. Some are great. Some are overrated. We're going to break it down and we're going to try to find our spots. And opening up this card, we've got Joe Selecki taking on official UFC debut, Carl Deaton III. And the third sounds like just a prim and proper British royal. The third. 
This dude does not look like a third. Anyway, Joe Selecki is a very good grappler. He leans heavily on his wrestling and his takedowns. He's slick on the ground, and he really makes things happen with pressure and transitions. He also has solid hands. He's got clean boxing, and it's not just there to set up his takedowns. He will, however, lose a more technical striking matchup if it's against somebody who's technical like he did against Jared Gordon. He's coming off that win over Alex De Silva where he was knocked down, but he's able to get the takedown and threaten the submissions for the win. Carl Deaton III is a wrestler. He's patient on his feet. He chooses his shots. He doesn't just come charging in looking for takedowns. When he's comfortable, he'll plot forward and throw big one-twos. He bounces between 145 pounds and 155 pounds, but he does have plenty of speed and he carries that well up with him to 155, but the power just is not there. He's got plenty of cardio when he ties his wrestling and striking together. He can do well, but he's not very dangerous. He's a grinder. He could outgrind you, but he's not gonna, he's most likely not gonna put you out, not gonna suck up a submission or anything like that. So I gotta go Joe Selecki here. I think he's got the better strike and he's got the better grappling, and not to mention he was supposed to fight at UFC Vegas 69. So the dude's been training, even though this technically is short notice. I think he can win the striking exchanges and I trust him to wrestle. And watching Carl's tape is frustrating because you know he's a wrestler, right? You know that's his background, but he's just too passive with it. He doesn't push that pace. Selecki's the pick. He's sitting around minus 500 right now and I do think he's safe for parlays. So I would jump on that. I imagine that line's gonna move a little more. And you guys know me, minus 500, I think it's good for a parlay. That's not. Those are not good money line odds. But once you get to minus seven, eight, nine, then at that point, it's just a little too rich to be dragging down some of your parlays. But Joe Selecki for sure is the pick. Then we have uh, Jose Johnson. It's actually Jose, like Aldo. Jose Johnson taking on Garrett Armfield. Jose's a long Muay Thai striker who uses his length pretty well. He likes to come forward and control the center with his speed and that length. He's got versatile striking where he uses teep kicks, clinch work, and traditional boxing to touch his opponents. He does not have the best takedown defense, but he does have some solid trip work for his takedown offense and some good, just pure BJJ. Garrett Armfield's a technical striker who doubles up his jab and switches his stance well. He's always working forward, but he does stay somewhat controlled and he doesn't take too many risks. He does a good job sort of kicking your legs before coming up to the top. He can grapple defensively, but he doesn't look for takedowns offensively very often. He's coming off that short notice UFC debut loss to David Onama where he was taken down twice and then submitted. And David Onama's a striker, so a lot of people didn't see that coming. I think Armfield can get this done, especially if he works in the wrestling. But Jose is good. And if Armfield can't get inside the length, he's going to have a tough night. And my real concern here is that Armfield can get stuck in a firefight and if he does that with Jose, he might get tagged because Jose is going to be faster. He's going to be more accurate. Ultimately, Garrett Onfield's going to be the pick because he does have the wrestling, but he is the type of guy that will just, he'll abandon his strengths to go out there and have some fun. So hopefully that doesn't happen. If Garrett Onfield sticks to his strengths, he should absolutely get the win here. Then we have another. This is the third breakdown in a row, the third fight in a row that is a UFC debut. We have Haley Cowan taking on Aylin Perez. Haley Cowan, she's solid, right? She's a long, powerful striker who will wrestle as well. She's light on her feet. She has a traditional kickboxing style on her feet, and she uses that to close distance, and then she'll work you against the cage. Her offensive takedowns are okay, but her takedown defense 
is what's very impressive. She scrambles well with wizards and inside trips that she uses to stay on her feet. She's athletic. She's powerful. She's fast. She is composed and she can push a pace. Aylin Perez, she's the twerker. We see her twerking all over social media. She was twerking at the weigh-ins before her last fight and then she was just absolutely beat on. Skill-wise though, she's mostly a grappler, but when she's striking, she's got a nice long jab. She uses it to plot forward and walk people down. Grappling-wise, she uses her size and strength to try to bully people to the ground with trips and drags. Once she hits the ground, she's pretty measured and she works for control positions. She is coming off that loss in her UFC debut where it was clear that she's stupid tough but has some pretty low fight IQ. And I like Haley Cowan here. She carries herself like a professional athlete and you can see her evolutions in every single fight. She's in great shape. She pushes the pace and she can fight anywhere. She's composed like she has 20 wins instead of just seven. And my only hesitation with actually just throwing a big time bet on her is that Aylin Perez really is tough as hell. Like she can take a beating and she's not gonna quit. She can absolutely just keep coming forward while getting smacked around, but... Cowan's not the type of fighter that I, I think would get frustrated with, you know, that, right? Some fighters will come out there, beat the hell out of somebody. They're still there. They're still in front of them. They didn't fold. They're not gone yet. And they start to get frustrated. Oh, I hit him as hard as I can. What's happening? And I don't think Haley Cowan is that person. I don't think if she's beating on Aylin Perez for 12 minutes and she's still there that she's going to get frustrated. So I like Haley Cowan here. She's a little early in her career. She's the pick. I'm pretty confident I might eventually place a money line bet. And this is another one of those fights that had very interesting line movement. Aylin Perez opened as like a minus, don't quote me here. You'll see it in the line movement tracker for premium members. But she opened at like a minus 150 favorite and it has completely flipped. Haley Cowan is now the favorite here. So interesting line movement. Usually that movement is correct. And if you go look at our line movement tracker from last week and compare it to this week, you will see that traditionally that line movement is correct. So Haley Cowan's the pick. I don't have a money line bet on her just yet, but I honestly might end up doing it even though it goes against the uh, two rules, UFC debuts and betting on women. But we'll see what happens. And maybe it's just my lack of trust in Aylin Perez. Oh, hey. Fourth fight in a row, fourth UFC debut in a row. We have Narulo Aliv taking on Rafael Alves. Narulo Aliv is a dominant wrestler. He's been competing wrestling his entire life. People love to compare him to Khabib. Honestly, they look almost identical, which is actually kind of crazy, but he's very good. He's a very good dominant wrestler. And that's why people like to do that comparison. He has a come forward pressure style. He's got decent striking as well. He's light on his feet. He pumps the jab. He works in his takedowns. His takedowns are powerful and relentless, but they're not the fastest, meaning he has to close the gap and work from there and not just blast double his way in, right? This isn't a Jordan Burroughs. I'm going to shoot from 10 feet away and I'm still going to get to your legs and I'm going to sprint right through you. He closes the gap and then he works down. He works against the cage, tries to, you know, run singles, runs the pipe, things like that. I get the Khabib comparisons for sure, but mostly in this case, he actually looks like Khabib. Rafael Alves is a very exciting fighter. He comes out looking for a finish every time. He's flashy with solid speed and power. He is a finisher, but if he doesn't finish the fight, we've seen him slow down and get into trouble. He can finish you both standing or on the ground, but we have yet to see him get a takedown in the UFC. He's coming up that loss to Drew Dober where, frankly, he landed one of the cleanest strikes you will ever see land that didn't knock somebody out. He just wung it 
swung it as hard as he could. It cracked Drew Dober clean and just went right through him. And Drew Dober didn't even flinch. Obviously, it's a testament to Drew Dober's chin, but also the fact that he threw that punch that clean and landed it exactly where he wanted to go just shows you how impressive Rafael Alves's striking can be. I do like Nerulo here. I love a guy who I know will pressure and who will stick to wrestling. I do have a one and a half unit bet on him, which I like. I'm going to be nervous in the striking exchanges. Alves can be a nasty striker, so I do need Nerulo to avoid a firefight, stick to the grappling. This could be like the Demir Ismagulov versus Alves fight, which is choking on something, which is why I think Nerulo wins this fight. But I am a little, I have a little bit of PTSD from last night where I bet on Ashkabov and the dude didn't do what he was supposed to do. Frankly, there are some differences here. Yes, both UFC debuts. Ashkabov had a three-year layoff. May have been a factor. Ashkabov was also going up in weight. May have been a factor. Narulo Aliyev, neither one of those things. No long layoff, not coming up in weight. And I expect him to relentlessly wrestle against Alves. I almost feel bad for Alves because the UFC doesn't seem to be doing him any favors. He comes out here, he's fun as hell. He puts it on the line and they're like, hey, Here's a killer wrestler that's probably going to give you a hard time. That sucks for him. Then we have Oday Osborne taking on short notice step up Charles Johnson. Charles Johnson yet again stepping up on short notice. He did it against Jimmy Flick. He's doing it again here. Oday Osborne's a southpaw striker. He uses range well to keep people at the end of his punches. He's got a ton of power, has great finishing ability, especially at 125 pounds. He has four wins in the UFC with takedowns in two of them, and he may use some of the grappling against Charles Johnson if he's losing the technical striking exchanges. He's coming off that knockout loss to Tyson Nam last year. Charles Johnson's a very well-rounded fighter. He's pretty much a striker, but he is capable everywhere. He marches forward. He's got busy boxing, solid kicks. He's got some solid power. We haven't really seen it in the UFC yet, but he never stops coming forward. His cardio, his pressure, his confidence are going to be an issue for a lot of people. He's coming off back-to-back UFC wins, including the destruction of Jimmy Flick, where he was taken down at one point, but he instantly reversed it. This is a tricky fight. It, It... People who think this is just a short thing for Charles Johnson, honestly, it's a tricky fight. I'm going to go Charles Johnson here. He's stepping up on short notice. He's not the type of guy where he's going to let his cardio slip. We've seen him on short notice before, and he looked fantastic. The reason this is interesting, though, is because this is going to be his first striker versus striker matchup in the UFC. His first three fights in the UFC were against pure grapplers. And now he's fighting Ode, who's a striker. And Ode is going to be looking to take his head off. And Ode is actually pretty good. I think Charles Johnson is going to be faster. I think he's going to be more technical. I am curious to see how he performs against a pure striker. Listen, Charles Johnson was losing some of the striking exchanges against Zalgas. Striking exchanges against Zalgas. Ode Osborne is not that guy. And yes, he was just put out by Tyson Nam. Yes, he was put out by Manel Kopp. But he was winning that Manel Kopp fight before a flying knee. So Charles Johnson is going to be the pick because of the speed and the technical striking. But he's not in the safety parlay. I don't necessarily trust him at two to one odds. We'll see. This will be his first pure striker in the UFC. So I'm very interested. Both of these guys are very good. For now, I'm just going to sit. I'm going to watch. Maybe I'm too conservative for my own good. And Charles Johnson is going to look like the two to one favorite that he is. But for me personally, Johnson's the pick. No money happening here. Then we got Jiu-Jitsu nerd, Jordan Leavitt, taking on Victor Martinez. Jordan Leavitt, he's a throwback grappler. He's very one-dimensional, subpar striking, subpar wrestling, very good jujitsu. And that's the problem because his striking isn't a real threat. 
he can't use his striking to set up his takedowns. And because his wrestling is not very good, it's only a 28% takedown accuracy, he can't guarantee that it's going to get it to the ground. His takedowns need to be absolutely perfect to finish them. But he's very, very good, very, very dangerous on the ground. He's coming off that submission loss to Patty Pimblett, but he actually did have some success wrestling in that fight before he was just cracked and submitted. Victor Martinez is a fast, powerful striker who brings that Mexican fighting spirit. His kicks aren't great, but his boxing is sharp. The issue is that because his kicks are loose and they're not hidden behind any punches, they do get caught and he does get taken down. His BJJ defense is solid and he scrambles really well to get back up to his feet. He absolutely is a striker and even though... He has a takedown in the contender series. That is not his plan. Offensive takedowns is not really his thing. I want to bet on Victor here so freaking bad. I, I hate the jujitsu nerd Jordan Leavitt fighting style. I hate it. The sloppy striking, the sloppy wrestling, slick BJJ. I hate that style. This is MMA. You're supposed to be good everywhere, or at least, you know, everybody's like really good at one thing and then pretty good at other stuff. Jordan Leavitt's not a pretty good striker. He's not a pretty good wrestler. He sucks. At those two things. Very good BJJ. And it's been working for him. I personally don't like that style. Probably because I'm a wrestler by nature. And I hate I hate knowing somebody so good on the ground. And then can't get it there. That drives me nuts. But he did have some success against Patty in the wrestling. The problem with betting on Victor Martinez here. Is that Victor gets taken down. And put in the bad positions. A lot. If you look at his fight against Nico Echeverry. He was defending submissions for about four minutes of that first round. And I think if that was Jordan Leavitt on his back, Jordan Leavitt probably would have submitted him. So it pains me to say this, but I think Jordan Leavitt's going to be the pick here. It goes against every fiber of my being to pick a jiu-jitsu nerd against the striker. I can't bet money line on either guy. Maybe scoop up a decision, no action bet, something like that. I think Victor can knock out Leavitt, and I think Leavitt can submit Victor, so maybe doesn't go to a decision at all. Probably the safest bet, the under two and a half if we're getting a two and a half round line. So Jordan Leavitt's going to be the pick. No money here. I, I just absolutely can't stand the BJJ nerd style, if you can't tell. Then we have another UFC newcomer, Gabriela Fernandez, taking on Jasmine Jazadevicious. Gabriela Fernandez is a powerful striker. She's big, strong, fast, technical. She got very solid striking and solid BJJ as well. Her takedown defense is okay, but it's mostly her being bigger and stronger and less about her actually using the right techniques to stay on her feet. She's got solid BJJ and can work well off her back, but it almost works against her at times where instead of scrambling back to her feet, she's going to play the BJJ game. She's going to throw up triangles and do that instead of working her way up. Jasmine Jazzy-Devicious is a wrestler who likes to come forward and push the pace with her striking before working in her takedown. She's got solid clinch where she controls your body and then throws heavy knees and then works in takedowns from there. She's actually a very accomplished wrestler. She's not, as I've been saying lately, not an MMA fighter who learned how to wrestle. She's a wrestler who transitioned to MMA. She's got fantastic hips so that even if she has a bad entry, which creates a scramble, she will end up on top. She's coming off that loss to Natalia Silva, where she looked flat and was taken down twice. And this is another tough fight to pick. I'm a big Jasmine fan, and I've picked her in the past because of the wrestling. And like I said, she's actually a wrestler, not an MMA fighter who learned a few takedowns. The problem is she looked horrible in her last fight. She went 0 for 6 in takedown against, against Nadia Silva. And had terrible striking. If I didn't see that fight, 
Jasmine would be the pick here, but I did see that fight, and I can't unsee those takedown attempts. So I got to go Gabriella. She's big, athletic. She's a dynamic striker. She's dangerous on the ground. So Gabriella's the pick for sure. Maybe a takedown prop bet is the way to go. I'm not going to trust Moneyline on a female UFC debut against an actual wrestler. But as you know, Bet Online drops takedown prop bets. Jacob hit one. The Felipe, was it the Felipe Lins? Yeah, I think it was the Felipe Lins fight. No. Anyway, Jacob hit um, two takedown prop bets, actually. The more on Aaron Blanchfield. And then I forget what the other one was. Bet Online has takedown prop bets. They have two different kinds. They set a line. So they'll say Jasmine Jazz of the Vicious over under two takedowns. And then you bet whatever side you want. Or just straight up in this fight, who will get more takedowns? And then you get a line there. They've been solid for us. If you want to check those out, those usually drop on Fridays. Go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. If you use our link to sign up with Bet Online or Sports Betting, which is their sister company there, I'll send you 50 bucks as a thank you. Got to use the link. Got to make a deposit but I will send you $50 as a thank you. Then we have Eric Gonzalez taking on Trevor Peak. Oh, hey, guess what? Another official UFC debut. That's literally every fight that I've broken down so far. It's it's crazy. This card is loaded with UFC debuts. And when I say UFC debut, I don't count contender series. That's not technically the UFC. So a lot of brand new, fresh, full-size cage UFC guys stepping up here, but Eric Gonzalez is a long striker who uses range well. He likes to pick you apart at distance and keep you there with a long front and deep kicks. He will take two steps back, then lean forward, throw a long jab. If he can manage that range the whole time, he can pick people apart. But if you close the distance and you get him uncomfortable, he does not have an answer. Eric's coming off that loss to Terrence McKinney where he was absolutely cracking him. He drilled Terrence McKinney, but didn't have much to offer after that. He was taken down, and that was sort of the end for him. Trevor Peak's a high-pressure fighter who only knows one pace. He keeps his hands open, like open, like doesn't close his fist. He keeps his hands open and literally just starts winging punches while charging forward. If he's close, he'll grab your legs and try to take you down. If he's at distance, he will move in all directions to try to work his way in. He's not very technical. Skill-wise, isn't clean at all. But he's high pressure, take one to give one style with power and takedowns. This is honestly a hard fight to pick because Trevor isn't very good. He's not. Don't let these odds tell you he is. He's fun. He's wild, but his technique is terrible. Anybody technical is going to absolutely light him up when he comes charging in. Eric Gonzalez can be technical at times. He can stay long and keep people away, but he also can't defend a takedown very well. And if Trevor comes running in with reckless abandon and then drops to a leg, I'm not sure Eric can defend it. So I say this a lot on this channel. This isn't just about who we bet on. It's also about who not to bet on, right? There's plenty of times you said, don't bet on this person. You can't trust that person. At UFC 284, I think it was, we said, don't bet on Zubaira. He's a massive favorite. We can't trust him in this spot. Don't bet on Tyson Pedro. Massive favorite. Don't trust him in this spot. So obviously it's fist fights. We can't get everything right. But Trevor Peak feels like that. The dude is a minus 174 favorite. He fights with his hands open. He relies on aggression and pressure and not technique. So I do think Trevor Peak wins this fight. In no world am I betting on him. He is too sloppy. UFC debut. And Eric Gonzalez, yes, he's coming off a loss to Terrence McKinney. But, you know, Terrence McKinney at times can be a very good fighter. So Trevor Peak is the pick. Do not bet on him. That's your PSA for now. Then we got Mike Malott 
not a UFC debut, finally taking on Johan Lioness. Mike Malott's a pretty well-rounded guy. He's got a very loose striking style, which allows him to box and kickbox comfortably. His hands can be low at times, which makes him pretty hittable, but he's technically sound and he manages range well. He doesn't have any specific background. He's this new generation of MMA fighter, so you can expect him to strike as well as grapple and wrestle. He's coming off the KO win over Mickey Gall last year. Johan Lioness is a grappler. He can KO you with anything from a check hook to an overhand, so he's got big power on his feet. His striking's not technical, but that power is there. He wings big, heavy punches while charging forward, and as soon as you get comfortable striking with him, he's going to shoot a double leg, clean up the middle. Once he hits the ground, he works for control and starts pounding away. Everything he does looks like it hurts, but he's definitely on the slower side and does have a tendency to brawl. He's coming off the very close win over Darian Weeks. Mike Malat is sitting at a 2-1 to one favorite. And while I understand he's this sort of new generation of fighter that is good everywhere, he also has a 0% takedown defense. He's been taken down by both of his UFC opponents and is fighting a grappler. I think he wins just because of his pure athleticism and, and he should be decent everywhere. But I don't trust these odds because it's very possible he's taken down and worked by the more experienced wrestler in Johan. And frankly, Mickey Gall, not very good. Mike Willott beat a not very good Mickey Gall. And now his line is juiced. And I get it. He's athletic. He's dynamic. He's all the things. But until he gets a real, official, real win, we're really not going to know. I mean, the dude is hit with four significant strikes per minute. And I get it. Johan has a negative striking differential, but Johan has a ton of power, wrestling ability. Mike Malat's athleticism, his dynamic abilities should get him through this fight, but I don't trust him enough to bet on him in this spot, especially not at these odds. You're going to hear that a lot on this card, and maybe I'm just a little too cautious because my money line bets were not great last week, but uh, I'm not loving a lot of spots right now with just pure money line. I've got a couple of bets, but the prop bets is really what I'm going to be looking for. So make sure you become a premium member at wewantpicks.com. It's only $10 a month. You're going to get all of Jake's bets, and he cleaned up at UFC Vegas 69. But you're also going to be able to link your Discord account, which is going to give you alerts to your phone. You will instantly... Bzz, bzz, Oh, Angela just placed the prop bet. Jacob just placed the prop bet. Here's the picks. Here's the bets, etc. So if you're already a premium member, we've got well over 1,500 of you. Link your Discord. If you don't have a Discord, make one. It's free. And then link it so you can get alerts to your phone. Very simple. Very, very simple. Then we have Tatiana Suarez, and she's taking on Montana De La Rosa. Tatiana Suarez coming back after four, almost four years away. But she did have some very, very impressive wins when she was fighting. She submitted Alexa Grasso, who's fighting for a title in a couple of weeks. She beat Carla Esparza, who's a multiple-time UFC world champion. Tatiana is a dominant wrestler who averages almost seven takedowns per fight. She has five wins in the UFC and a total of 22 takedowns. Her striking is just okay, but her wrestling is incredibly high level. And no one has been able to fully stop it. Montana De La Rosa is a tough wrestler with a very straightforward game plan. Her wrestling is real. It's not Tatiana Suarez real, but it's real. She wrestled in high school, wrestled growing up, and then, you know, transitioned to MMA. Her striking is improving, but she did struggle to get her hands going in her last fight where she did have a takedown, but her strikes were doubled. This card is loaded with female wrestlers. 
And this is another one. This is a wrestler versus wrestler matchup. It's an easy Tatiana Suarez pick. If we compare wrestling credentials, they're not even close. If we compare MMA credentials, they're not even close. I like Montana, but I don't see her winning this fight. The problem here is that Tatiana Suarez is a minus 800 favorite. And if she was active, like if, you know, if she's been competing in any time in the 2020, you know what I mean? Any time in the 2020s, if she had at least one fight, I might even spend the minus 800 and throw in a parlay. The problem is we haven't seen her compete in four years. Minus 800 is a very hefty, very risky price tag. Four years away just makes it just a little, a little riskier. So I fully expect her to win. I think she'll get the takedowns. She'll do what she does, but I'm not going to bet on her. I can't at minus 800. We'll check the takedown prop bets. As I mentioned before, BetOnline is going to drop takedown prop bets on Fridays. We'll check those out. We'll take a look, and there might be some money to be made there. Sometimes It's not even the over. When Umar Namagamadov fought Hani Barsolos, they set his takedown line at four and a half takedowns. I knew that wasn't going to happen, so I bet the under and crushed the under. So they may do the same with Tatiana. They may give her too much credit, give her five takedowns, and then we'll hit the under because if she's going to take down Montana, she's going to hang out on top. She's not going to need five, six, seven takedowns. So Tatiana Suarez is the pick, but no bet here just yet. We're going to wait for those props. Then we got Augusto Sakai on his last leg taking on Dante Mays. Augusto Sakai, he's a Muay Thai striker. He likes to fight close. He likes to make it dirty. He does have power, but he's not very fast. He sort of lumbers forward, throwing heavy, puts up decent volume. He only has one single takedown in the UFC, and that was against Chase Sherman. We've seen him in fights where he should have wrestled, but didn't. He does, however, use the cage to lean on you, slow you down, and rack up control time. He is on a four-fight skid and has made it clear he has absolutely no idea how to defend a takedown. Dantel's a good boxer with heavy hands. He's got solid footwork and sets up combinations well. He marches forward and throws everything with 100% effort, everything from leg kicks to overhands. He can also, in his like his TKO win over Josh Parisian, Russell, he had six takedowns, 117 strikes in that fight. He's coming off the loss to Hamdi where he was just, he was knocked down, taken down. Luckily for him, that decision was overturned because of a USADA violation. Hamdi beat up Dantel Mays. I like Dantel Mays here. I get it. It's heavyweight. Augusto Sakai is a good Muay Thai striker, but he's slow. He's getting beat up. He's not evolving. We have Dante Mays who has added wrestling. We saw that two fights ago. And even in his last fight, listen, he got beat up by Hamdi, but he made that fight close. He's stuck in there. He didn't quit. So I think Dante's power could do it. Without question, if he works in takedowns, he will have a ton of success there as well. Dante Mays is the pick. I went back and forth. Should I bet? Should I not bet? It is heavyweights. It goes against another rule. Don't bet on heavyweights. But... At almost even money, I threw a half a unit at, at minus 105. We broke down Dan Ige recently, right? Dan Ige was on a similar losing streak, but Dan Ige had all the abilities. He just had really tough opponents. Augusto Sakai is not necessarily in that bucket. He's got four losses in a row. They're not all against the highest of level competition. Some are, but not all of them. So I think I trust Dante Mays to come in here and just beat a tired, I can't even say old, he's only 31, but a tired, non-evolving Augusto Sakai. And we got the co-main event of the evening, and I will start this off by saying, I can't pick a Brendan Allen fight right to save my life. 
Do what you want with that information. I cannot get this guy right. I just can't. I pick him to win, he loses. I pick him to lose, he wins. I can't get it right. But we got Andre Muniz taking on Brendan Allen. Andre Muniz is a BJJ killer. He's got decent striking. He's got okay wrestling. He hits pretty hard. He's got clean striking entries. And don't just look at his BJJ credentials and assume he's some desperate Jordan Leavitt grappler. He's going to stick to a striking match. And while he won't get all of his takedowns, he will shoot them. He's going to avoid that BJJ nerd dog clean your ass on the carpet butt scoot. He's coming off that decision win over Uriah Hall where he had three takedowns. So he can strike. He can get some takedowns. And he is incredibly dangerous on the ground. So wild BJJ credentials, but not a BJJ nerd. Brendan Allen is also a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, but there's levels to this. Don't just think he's a black belt, so, oh, they can compete. No, completely different levels to this. He does have solid low kicks, solid takedowns, solid striking overall. He's a very well-rounded guy, and he seems to have matured as a fighter. He's had a weird evolution where he started as a straight grappler, then became a straight striker, and now, finally, he seems to be blending those two together. He's coming off that win over Jotko, where he had the early takedown and submission and this is a, a tough pick again full disclosure i can't pick brendan allen right i thought he was going to beat chris curtis he didn't i thought he was going to lose the malcoon he didn't frankly he did but he didn't i thought he was going to lose the jotko he didn't i thought he was going to lose the puna heel he didn't like i cannot get this guy right should he win this fight absolutely not he should lose to this fight he's fighting an absolute killer who's much better He's much better than Brendan at Brendan's best thing. Brendan's best thing is BJJ. Andre Muniz is far better at that. But we've seen Brendan rise to the occasion in the past. And maybe without worrying too much about Muniz's power on his feet, Brendan might let his hands go. He might not have to worry about anything. He should have better takedown defense than Andre Muniz's takedown offense. I'm going to still pick Muniz here. He's so free. He has not given us a reason to think he's going to lose. So... When I break down Andre Muniz, I don't look at him and say, this guy's probably going to lose this fight. What ends up happening in my head is I look at Brendan Allen and I go, Jesus Christ, this guy can win this fight. And that's the problem with fights like this. I don't have a reason to pick against Muniz. I don't have a reason to pick Brendan Allen to lose either. And that's what's so tricky here. So I am going to pick Muniz. I think he's the more dangerous guy. He's absolutely the more accomplished grappler. His striking is pretty good. He does have some power. He does have some wrestling. So I am going to pick Andre Muniz here. But if Brendan Allen squeaks out a win, that's not going to be the most surprising thing that's ever happened. So I'll tell you right now, Andre Muniz is not in the safety parlay. He's not. The odds may make you think that he is, but he's not. Because not that I don't have confidence in him. It's that I don't know what to do with Brendan Allen at this point. Let me know in the comments what you guys think. I know a lot of you a few weeks ago like, Muniz is going to dominate. I'm curious if you guys still that feel that way or the Brendan Allens, those fans didn't come out just yet. And let us know in the Discord. Discord's 100% free. We have a premium alerts channel, but the Discord is free. So join that. Chat up. Lots of really, really good people in there. And we got the main event. Nikita Krylov taking on Ryan Spann. Nikita Krylov's a well-rounded guy. He's got very good wrestling, solid striking, nice forward pressure, mix in his striking and grappling really well together. He's got solid takedowns. He averages more than two of them per fight. And he's coming off that dominant win over Vulcan Ozdemir where he had seven takedowns, went very grapple heavy in that fight. And Ryan Spann 
is absolutely massive. He's got all the power you would think he would when you look at him in the cage. He's 6'5". He's jacked. 79-inch reach, which in this fight is only a 2-inch reach advantage, which, as we've discussed many times, means nothing. That's one inch on each arm. That means nothing. But Ryan Spann, big, powerful, strong guy. He's dangerous with six of his eight wins being by stoppage. He's not all power, though. He can also wrestle. He averages more than one takedown per fight himself. He's coming off that jab knockout win over Dominic Reyes back in November. And this is another interesting fight because Span's definitely going to be the more dangerous fighter with Krylov being the more well-rounded guy. He has more ways to win. Luckily, Krylov has a solid chin, so I think he can survive some power, right? He's not going to survive all the power if he just, that's the fight that he wants. If that's his game plan, slug it out. But he does have a solid enough chin to survive and manage to deal with some of that power to implement his grappling game. Ryan Spann has been taken down nine times in the UFC. He has a 50% takedown defense. So Krylov's going to be the pick. The odds are almost even. I may go money line on Krylov. Um, but I think a takedown prop bet, this is another fight. That's probably the way to go. I like Nikita Krylov to get this done. I do want to see him wrestle. I want the same Vulcan Ozdemir energy in this fight that we saw in his last fight. Guys, that's the breakdown. Become a premium member. It's $10 a month, not $10 an event. It's $10 a month. You're going to get four full events. We gave you, by the skin of our teeth, by the grace of God, we gave you one unit of net profit. If you tailed every single bet that myself, Jacob, Safety Parlay, if you tailed all of that, you got one unit of net profit last night. Last week was like four. The week before, I mean, it's profit week over week, and it's only $10 a month. And it's not just the bets. It's not just, I know a lot of you want to come in, copy, paste bets and move on. Like you think this is an investment, but there's tools there as well. There's a DraftKings optimizer. We have the line movement tracker. We have DFS cheat sheets. There's information and tools there as well that you can use to make your own decisions and not just copy, paste hours. We want picks.com. Click become a member. It's $10 a month. You really can't go wrong. We've already, last night alone, we gave you one free month essentially with that profit. Make sure you go to wewonpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our betting partners. Use our link, make a deposit, and I'll send you 50 bucks as a thank you. It's affiliate marketing. They're going to pay me, and then I'm going to take a piece of that, and I'm going to give it to you because we're in this together. I'm growing the community. We soared past 10,000 subscribers. We've soared past 1,500 premium members, and what would I be if it wasn't thankful and generous with my supporters? So sign up using the link, make a deposit, and I will give you 50 bucks as a thank you.